did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. It's a really good text. We're going to go ahead and look at that tonight together. Um, yeah, our first point is that God is righteous. So that first verse of uh, chapter 2, verse 29, or the first verse of our passage, says, if you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. So this verse is saying that if we know that God is righteous, we'll be able to identify believers by their righteous lives. It's implying that we already know that God is righteous. You know, if we know that he is righteous. That's like saying, well, as we already know he's righteous, so dot, dot, dot. So the author here might be referring back to what he said in chapter 1, verse 5, where he said, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. He is completely pure and holy. So we see from these verses that God is righteous. And there are many other verses in the Bible that confirm this. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 137. Righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4. The Rock. Every, also, when I see that, I just think of like Dwayne Johnson. The Rock. Sorry. The Rock. Uh, his work is perfect, for all his ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Psalm 71, verse 19. For your righteousness, O God, reaches to the heavens, you who have done great things. O God, who is like you. Now these verses and, and so many others tell us that God is indeed righteous. Now at this point, some of you might be wondering what righteousness is. There are probably a few of you who, like the only concept you have of the word righteous is some Hollywood movie where there's a surfer and he's like, dude, righteous, you know? That's probably like the only concept some of you have. Or that fish from Spongebob who says it. Um, but whatever your prior understanding, it might help you to know that most dictionaries define righteousness as behavior that is morally right or justifiable. So when we say that God's righteous, we're saying that God's character or nature always leads him to do that which is right. God is righteous at his core and in his actions. So first at his core. From, from the center of his being, God loves all that is good and he hates all that is evil. He, uh, sorry, his heart is for the humble, but he opposes the proud. He loves all that is pure and good and lovely, and in him there's no room for impurity. 
He's also righteous in his actions. Whether God is executing judgment or extending mercy, whether he tears down or builds up, whether he moves in action or stays his hand, his actions are righteous because they extend from his nature. In everything God does, he's completely just and morally right. Since the beginning of the world, God has never done a single thing that was not morally right or good. Never. So both at his core and in his actions, God is the epitome of righteousness. And as we look back at verse 29 again, we see this. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. The verse says that if we know God is righteous, and we do, then we can be sure that everyone that is born of God practices righteousness. For example, you can be sure that everyone that is born of my wife Ashley will have big, beautiful eyes, right? And you can be sure that, any, that nobody that's ever born of me will ever play in the NBA, right? Like, I'm short, I get it, it's cool. So you, could be, you can know that because Ashley having big eyes and me being short, that those things are so a part of our being that those who come from us will share those characteristics, right? And in the same way, the Bible tells us that anyone who's truly born of God will practice righteousness because it's so crucial to God's character. It is impossible to be born of God and not practice righteousness. Theologian Matthew Poole has written, God hath no children destitute of his image or who resemble him not, which in today's language means if you don't look like him, you ain't his, okay? God's children resemble him, which brings us to our second point, which is that God's true children practice righteousness. So let's go ahead and read uh, chapter 3, verses 6 through 10 again. No one who abides in him, Jesus, keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother." So over and over in these verses, we read that those who go on sinning are of the devil, and those who are of God practice righteousness. It's impossible to be born of God, to abide in him, and to be characterized by unrighteousness. Verse 5 says that in him there is no sin. And to be a Christian is to be completely united with Christ, right? And so as verse 6 says, no one who is a Christian who is united with Jesus will go on sinning because... In Jesus, there is no sin. Darkness cannot coexist with light. The one casts out the other. Similarly, we can't claim to be of God and yet make a practice of pursuing the things that are not of God. Now, I do want to make a few clarifications because I do think it's possible that we can potentially come to some wrong conclusions here. So the first clarification is on the type of righteousness that this passage is referring to. There are two kinds of righteousness, positional righteousness and practical righteousness. So the word positional describes where something is in relation to something else. 
And righteousness has to do with our moral purity. So positional righteousness has to do with our position or status before God. Whether we stand as morally pure and in good standing with God, or as morally impure and guilty before God. So positional righteousness is not something that you can earn, but everyone who is a Christian receives this from Jesus. When they put their trust in Jesus, who died to pay for their sins, he takes on their death and gives them his own perfect righteousness. So I have a a diagram here uh, showing how this happens by justification. So in justification, our sin is credited to Jesus, and he's treated as guilty, what we deserve, and his righteousness is credited to us, and, and we are treated as not guilty, the way Jesus deserves. So this, this is wonderful, right? Like positional righteousness, one of the greatest uh, things of the Christian life, I think. It gives so much peace and joy. And it's true of every believer, but it's actually not the kind of righteousness that this passage is talking about. It's not the kind of righteousness that we're supposed to identify believers by. The righteousness that this passage is talking about is a practical righteousness. Excuse me. Uh, So the word practical means something involving action rather than just like ideas or theories. So practical righteousness refers to righteousness in the way that we live. We can tell who is truly God's child by identifying those who practice righteousness in their lives. Those who seek to live in holy and godly ways. Those who turn away from sin. Who pursue the good that God desires for their lives. Verse 7 says, whoever practices righteousness is righteous. God's children are identified by pursuing righteousness. Does that make sense, everyone? The difference between the two? Cool? If you're awake. Uh, I do want to note that we don't become God's children by practicing righteousness, but practicing righteousness is an identifier of his children. So I'll say that again. We don't become God's children by practicing righteousness, but practicing righteousness is an identifier of his children. Okay? It's necessary to make that distinction because it really helps us look at our hearts and identify if we're really believers. Positional righteousness is true of every believer, but it's not something that you can see, and so it doesn't really help us identify if we're believers. However, just like uh, you can tell who someone's husband husband is by watching to see who cares for her, who loves her, who spends his time with her, so we can tell whether or not we are God's children by checking if we act and live like God's child. So that's the first clarification. The second clarification I want to make is that there's a difference between perfect righteousness and patterns of righteousness. Some of you might hear what I'm, what I'm saying and think that God's children are morally perfect. That is, that's not what I'm saying. That's not biblical. Uh, if you recall uh, a few weeks ago, we looked at 1 John 1.8, which reads, If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. God's children aren't perfect and they won't attain perfection Uh, in this life. And also chapter 3 verse 2 of 1 John reads, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. When he appears, our practical righteousness will be perfected just like Jesus's is, but not yet. So clearly, 
to say that Christians are those who are morally perfect is a lie. That's not what I'm saying. Rather, this text is saying that the mark of a Christian is not perfect righteousness, but patterns of righteousness. We all sin, but God's children are characterized by a pattern of pursuing righteousness. When they sin, which they will do, they grieve it and they repent. They don't walk in it proudly and refuse to change. They seek after that which is good and holy, and when they fail, they remind themselves themselves of God's grace and forgiveness, and they press on toward the goal in front of them. So that's the second distinction, that God's children aren't characterized by a pattern of pursuing righteousness, or sorry, that they are characterized by a pattern of pursuing righteousness, not perfect righteousness. So in light of all this, I want to ask you, is there evidence of this righteousness in your life? Now, I understand that some of you are new to the faith and you haven't had enough time to bear fruit in your life. That's okay. And I also understand that there are some genuine believers out there that are in a season of sin and unrighteousness and need to repent. That's something that believers experience. But keeping those things in mind, are there patterns of living your life righteously out of love for the Lord? I'm not just asking if you've ever done a single righteous thing, right? Just like making one nice dinner from a Pinterest recipe doesn't make you a chef and taking one artsy photograph in sepia doesn't make you a photographer. So having done a few righteous things in your life doesn't mean that your life is characterized by pursuing righteousness. Is there fruit of righteousness in your life? If there's not, I believe that this text is saying that you aren't a child of God. Well, just as we find in this text that God's children practice righteous living, so we also find our third point, which is that the devil's children practice unrighteousness. It's a harsh way of putting it, I know. But that's what the text says. Let's look back at verses 8 through 10 again. They read, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Now verse 8 doesn't say those who make a practice of sinning are simply non-Christians, but it says that they're of the devil. Verse 10 says it is evident who are the children of the devil, those who don't practice righteousness. The opposite of being God's child isn't neutrality, it's being a child of the devil. Now I understand that most non-Christians don't leave for the day saying, see you later, I'm going to go worship Satan for a little bit, right? Like Most people probably don't say that. But this text is saying that functionally, that's what's happening. The children of God show their resemblance of God by pursuing righteousness, and the children of the devil show their resemblance of the devil by, by proudly pursuing sin. That is the family likeness of the devil. And some of you can clearly see that, right? Some of you can clearly see unrighteous pursuits in your life. You know, pursuing the party life, living for drunkenness, living for sexual immorality, jealousy and anger and so on. Some of you out there identify easily with those things. But I also know that pride hardens hearts 
And there are some of you here tonight who have a clean outward appearance, and you've been tricked into thinking that you don't bear that resemblance of the devil. But just because you don't party all the time doesn't mean that your life isn't characterized by sin. God knows every evil thought you entertain. He knows all your selfish motives. He knows that you pursue your own glory instead of his. Some unrighteousness is secret and in the heart, but it's not hidden from God. Whether it's blatant and external or hidden and internal, all those whose lives are characterized by pursuing righteousness, this text says, are of the devil. So we see that we're in one camp or the other. And I think Anakin says it best in this 12-second clip that I'm going to show you. If you're not with me, then you're my enemy. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. Super short, right? I could have just explained what he said, but it's more fun and it adds some levity to show the video. So you missed the first part, but what he says is, if you're not with me, then you're my enemy, right? I generally try and make it a practice not to agree with Sith Lords, but in this particular instance, Anakin speaks truth. Uh, In the battle between the dark side and the light side of the Force, there's no middle ground. We're either for good or against it, right? In the same way, there's, there's no middle ground between following God and following the world. If you think you can ride the fence between righteousness and unrighteousness, between following God or following the devil, you're deceived. Which camp are you in? Who are you following? I also want to make sure that nobody here thinks this is some Christian elitist doctrine. There shouldn't be a single snooty Christian nose in the air that's thinking, hmm, at least I'm not like one of those devil children. I'm a Christian, right? If that's what's going through your mind, there's a solid chance that you're not actually a Christian because you don't seem to understand how undeserving you are of God's mercy or how free it is. Every true child of God was once a child of the devil. Satan is the former father of every believer. And only by the work of Jesus have they been adopted into God's family. This is a state that all people naturally find themselves in. We are all born as children of the devil, pursuing after the ways of our father. We are all born hardwired to pursue sin and unrighteousness. It's part of our sinful nature. The only way we can be freed is through trusting in Jesus and having our sinful nature redeemed. Now before I finish, I want to address both the Christians and the non-Christians tonight. I really hope that this message has helped you look in your heart to determine which camp you're in. So for the believers in this room, I I want to warn you against two wrong views that I think are pervasive in our church today. The first one, some believers often forget God's grace and the righteousness that's given in Christ and they revert back to trying to save themselves through their good works rather than trusting in God. You cannot save yourself by trying to live a righteous life. You can only be saved by trusting in Christ. Remember that daily and renew your mind with that truth. That's the first thing. You can't earn your righteousness. You can't save yourself. The second, some believers wrongly believe that 
Since Jesus died for them and they're right with God, that pursuing practical righteousness doesn't matter. Oh, I can live however I want. They believe in a cheap grace. Charles Spurgeon once said, the grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. Friends, the righteousness that comes from Jesus saves us and it should compel us to want to pursue righteous living because our desires are renewed and we want to please God. So be cautious about these wrong views and trust in this. Everyone who comes to Christ is washed clean of their sins and receives Christ's righteousness. If you're trusting in Jesus tonight, you stand totally righteous and guiltless before God. Even when you stumble, whether for a season or for a moment, let that magnificent grace grip your heart and compel you to live righteously to please God. Verse 6 of our text, I don't have it up there, uh, but it says that nobody who abides in Jesus can go on sinning. Abide in him and your heart and your desires will change. Fill your life with his goodness and there will be no room left to desire unrighteousness. And now for the non-Christians, I'm so glad you're here first. Um, I know this is a pretty heavy text, right? But I, I hope it, it was helpful. I hope it's, it's sobering in some way. This is the, the natural fallen condition of all men and women. This text says that all those who are not Christians are children of the devil. Every Christian in this room, including myself, was once that as well. So mostly tonight we've looked at how to tell the difference between children of God and children of the devil. But now I want to show you how children of the devil can become children of God. So let's go back to verses 3 through 5 from our text. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. Verse 5 tells us that Jesus appeared in order to take away sins. The Christian gospel is this. We were made to know God, but we all chose to rebel against God and pursue sin and unrighteousness. We turned away from him. We're all guilty and worthy of being separated from him, every one of us. But God, in his infinite mercy, sent Jesus to come, live the perfect life that we couldn't, and die in our place, being separated from the Father as we deserve. Just like that diagram I showed before, he took our sin and gave us his righteousness. And because of this, Anyone who trusts in Jesus is totally forgiven by God. Verse 3 says that everyone who hopes in Jesus purifies himself. All those who turn to Jesus are cleansed of their sins. They receive new life. And they are transferred from the family of the devil into the family of God. That's available to all of you right now. Please don't walk away from here tonight thinking that in order to be right with God, you just have to try and live a good life. Righteous living is, is how we tell Christians from non-Christians, but it's not how non-Christians become Christians. We must turn to Jesus. He wants you to come to him. Now I'm going to invite the band up 
But before I close in prayer, I, I just want to leave you guys with these last few words from the Lord Jesus in uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. I just want to leave you with this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the gospel of good news that a bunch of broken sinners like me can find grace, that we can find forgiveness. Oh God, I, I pray if there are any here who are not in your family, who are in the family of the devil, that they would turn, that they would know that it's, it's free, that the gospel is free, that all they have to do is trust in Jesus. Lord God, would you bring some into your family tonight. And for those here who are in your family, God, would they not be lazy about their life? Would they not delay in pursuing righteous living? Would they see that because of who you are, we should want to pursue righteousness, God? Would you show all of those who are trusting in you tonight that because of all you've done for us, we ought to pursue righteousness as you are righteous? And I pray that everybody here would have grown in some way tonight. God, would you move through this message? I pray that you would be glorified and that you would be worshiped. We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.